Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, January 10th here on the Mike Abadir Show. Thank you for joining us again. I am Gino Bocola and the main man, Mike Abadir, who uh, I think was 68% against the spread, had an unbelievable year picking games in the NFL, had his finger on the pulse. His Super Bowl prediction, still very much alive, both of the number one seeds, and they both got buys, and and they're going to be heavily favored to win their games. But, Mike, what's great about the NFL, after such a hot run throughout the year, I think you were 0-4, as you tweeted out, against this uh, straight up. Not against the spread, straight up. I think I think you had a push. We, we both had a push with the, uh, the Seattle-Dallas game. But, but 0-4 in that first round when, uh, honestly, though, on paper, it looked like it was that kind of a weekend with those four games. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't think that there was necessarily a game that I was shocked by. I was no. shocked by maybe effort levels or performances sure. or coaching decisions. To me, the one that was just absolutely just dog you-know-what was the Houston Texans and how they were coached and how they were managed, not just in the first half of the game, but their adjustments to the adjustments were worse than the original ones, and then they finally got on track in the fourth quarter when it was way too late, but... Probably Texans are the biggest disappointment for me, just as a spectator watching along. What about yourself? Yeah, for me, I think it was Seattle, just because when we look at, uh, like, Baltimore, for example, I think we expected Baltimore to to have that kind of a game plan. Run. Um, We haven't really seen Lamar Jackson throw the ball a whole lot. That didn't surprise me. He's a rookie in the playoffs for the first time. But you have Russell Wilson when you're Seattle, a guy who's been there, who's done it, who's really done it all. Which and is why we, we took them, right? Exactly. And because we we felt, which which it was on paper, it was two teams that were pretty evenly matched, and we felt like it was going to come down to the coaching and the quarterback, whoever made a big play. And, and honestly, I it, it felt like Dallas wanted to spit that game out again. When they were driving, they, they got a penalty when they got into the red zone late in the game, and it was like third and 15, third and 16, when Dak made that big play to get the first down. If he doesn't get that and they kick a field goal to only go up six, I, I, I think Seattle comes down and wins that game. I do. I still do. I just think that they put themselves in too bad of a spot. It was just predictable run up the middle, predictable run up the middle, not giving Wilson any opportunities when they did play action. It was incredible success rate. They just did not. They played with like they had a rookie quarterback or a, a young quarterback who they didn't trust. And we it didn't really surprise me the way that the Bears and the way that the Ravens approach the games because that's kind of the way they've played all year long. We have good defenses. Um, we don't want to necessarily have these young and inexperienced quarterbacks make a mistake by you know trying to do too much, so we'll just play smart. With Seattle, though, you, you have to, at some point, take the handcuffs off Russell Wilson and let a guy who is a legitimate you know top MVP candidate year in and year out you got to give him a shot to win the game for you. And they just never seem to do that. I was really disappointed with Pete Carroll in that game. Yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, they they were one of the top rushing teams in the NFL. But at the end of the day, you want your playmakers getting the ball, giving the ball, with the ball. And Russell Wilson's that guy. You know, we talked about it last week. We've talked about it before. You know, he, he may even be underrated, even though he gets a lot of recognition. But he's underrated for the type of quarterback that he is. And bottom line is he's a winner. Really, really like to see them moving forward, add maybe another receiver, and ultimately improve that offensive that line. line. And that I line, think yeah. that the, the Seahawks are really going to be a force to reckon with yeah. in the NFC. On the flip side, somebody else who's a winner is Nick Foles. And Man. to me, I mean, at some point you have to ask the question, are they better off with Nick? Are they better off with Wentz? I mean, Foles just gets the job done when it matters most in crunch time. Yeah, I heard a... I can't remember where from, but I thought it was a really good take. And they just said that sometimes Wentz, whose upside I think is much, much higher than Foles in that he could probably be a starter in the league longer. What we've seen with Nick Foles when he's been an every week starter, he's been an average quarterback. He's had, he had a good year 
but more more than anything, what I've what they have said is that he just doesn't he doesn't worry about making a little mistake. He doesn't try to force anything. He just kind of takes what what's given with him. He doesn't try to be too perfect. He just makes the makes the easy play. Makes the easy play. It's really basic, but that's what he does in in the playoffs. That that's really the key is because we saw this weekend, Mike, a lot of coaches and a lot of players they tighten up once these playoffs start. Oh, no doubt about that. They really do. I mean, from the way that they call their plays, from the way that they run their schemes, even from a guy like Lamar Jackson, as we kind of transition into the the Chargers-Ravens game, who is very good. And even the Ravens, I thought the Chargers had a great, you know, great defensive scheme. They they stacked some of their, their, um, you know, seven in the box, some of their quicker defensive backs. They moved up into the box. It It was very good. But early in the game, Jackson was just dropping balls, fumbling balls. It seemed like a guy who was a little bit, I don't want to say scared of the moment, but um, a little shell-shocked in that first quarter or so. That might be it. But by the way, I'm going to look this up and I'm going to have this for the listeners uh, next week. I'll make a note of it. I'm going to go back and look at all my combine notes and I've got official notes from scouts at the combine. I want to go back and see what Lamar Jackson's hand size is. Sure. Because to me, this seems more than just rattling of nerves. This seems more like it's going to be a problem that he can't get rid of because his hands might be just a tad small to hold on to the ball. All and the time. it's going to keep getting knocked out unless they figure out a different way for hand positioning or something. Or maybe he just runs the ball less. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. But I think we have our first guest online, Yes, right? we do. Yeah. Well, introduce him for us. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we, at the top of the show, you were talking about the two number one seats. My picks at the beginning of the year were Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. Probably a little bit of a bias there with the Saints, but it turned out right. So we'll just go with it. Um, and one of the key pieces of the Saints that does not get a lot of recognition necessarily are their special teams units, whether it's punting and pinning the ball deep in the opponent's territory or being money with the field goals. The special teams units on the Saints is second to none. A key piece to that equation is their long snapper. Our first guess is Zach Wood, long snapper of your number one seed, New Orleans Saints. Zach, how are you hey, this early evening, buddy? What's up, everybody? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, it's actually my birthday today. So uh, happy I've had a birthday. I uh, oh, appreciate it. I felt like, yeah, you beat me to the you know, punch. I was cool. actually going to, yeah, I was actually going to introduce that, but you beat me to the punch. So uh, obviously your biggest birthday gift would be winning a game this weekend, but any plans tonight or, or are you taking it easy or in between? Well, my, my lady's got some dinner waiting for me at the house. So whenever I get done here, I'll be going over there and I haven't eaten much today. She told me to kind of hold off because she's making a ton of food so i'm excited so, to get so back what's home the meal what's the meal like i don't what's know she's surprising me oh, okay i have no okay. idea what's going on over there okay. now for, now i'm gonna put you on the spot from one to ten ten being absolutely just die for her food where does she rank well she does make a, some great food she doesn't cook very often um, so this is kind of a, a toss-up, so i'll have to let you know next time on the show I'll get that <laughs> good honest answer <laughs> there we well, go Tell her we, we, we need a fantastic meal. We need you to be uh, on point for this weekend. So that's uh, that's good stuff there. Appreciate your candidness about that because a lot of guys would be too chicken and just give it the 10 right off the bat. But maybe when you come back uh, during the playoff run here, you could give us a grade. Well, the only reason I did that is because she doesn't – I don't think she listens to the show, so I think I'm okay. in the clear. Well, tell her she should. But, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> So let's uh, let, let's get to it here. Let's talk about the important stuff. I hear that you had in front of you a stack of uh, over $200,000 brought in by Sean Payton. Tell us, uh, is, is, that a, is that a fact or, or fiction? Is that a myth or a real story? And, and give us a little scoop behind that. No, that's an that's a absolutely true story. Um, you know, we got in for uh, the first team meeting in the morning, and he comes rolling in with this uh, – or actually a couple of bodyguards come rolling in and he's got this, uh, I guess, sheet over the stack of money. So we haven't seen it yet, but we all hear this is what's going to happen. And he uh, starts talking about the playoffs and what our goals are and what we're reaching, uh, you know, to be. And he pulls off this sheet and there's just $225,000 surrounding the um, Lombardi trophy all in once. And you got the Super Bowl ring at the bottom. You know, he just kind of giving us a, a little extra motivation to be like, this is what we can get. And now for me, that's a whole lot of money. But Drew Brees is probably like, ah, 
you know, that's a pay cut for me. I don't really care about that, you know. But, um, you know, everybody thought it was pretty cool just to see, like, in person what we make in the playoffs, the playoff bonuses. You know, it's not just, um, you know, the money's great, but the, the big thing in there was the Lombardi Trophy, and that's what we're all reaching for. Yeah, no doubt about that. So tell me, how, how big is a stack of 225,000? Is that just like bricks of hundreds, or how does that look? Well, he had one, so it looked like enormous. <laughs> Making it All rain one. there. Yeah, you know, and I was, I wanted to uh, sneak by and steal, steal a little bit of it. Yeah, but he had all the policemen yeah. and you know the guards. <laughs> one question for you, Zach. What's it like in a week of preparation where you don't know who your opponent is yet? So, like, talking before you knew what the result of uh, of the games were going to be, and you knew who you were going to be playing this weekend. What's that that bye week like after the season? It's got to be a little bit different maybe than uh, than how the rest of the season is when you know what who you're playing each and every week you're kind of circling what the the game plan is and, and how you're going to attack them what was what i think was really good about it is that we we didn't have a, an opponent to focus on so we got to focus on ourselves a little bit so um you know we kind of went down back to the basics worked on a lot of technique stuff some unique game situations that we usually wouldn't get to work on during uh you know a regular week we got to hone in on, on what we do and kind of go through like training camp practices going, you know, against each other. And, um, we got a lot of good work in a lot of beneficial work. So, um, that, that bye week really helped us out a lot to, uh, kind of hone in on some of the things we needed to, uh, correct. And then once you figure out who your opponent is, you install uh, more of, of this week's game plan. Um, obviously you never want to give any bulletin board material. So I'll just ask you this. Let's look ahead and assume, uh, for the purpose of this hypothetical, that the Dallas Cowboys were to beat the Rams. Uh, that would mean that Dallas would be coming in to New Orleans if you guys win and for the NFC Championship game. That would be a revenge game for the Saints. So I'm sure that you guys want to kind of even the score since uh, you know they beat you during the regular season. But would that take on any personal significance for you since you've been a Cowboy and a Saint? And it's your hometown, Dallas. It is. Um, I guess it, it was a little personal. I know, I know when we lost, it, it, that one hurt a little bit more for me. You know, um, you know, being on their team and getting cut from them, and you know, you try not to, but you always have a little, you know, a little, um, you know, anger towards being cut by a team. You know, and um, I'm really, I'm kind of hoping they beat the Rams so that we they can come back to Dallas or sorry to New Orleans and we can play them and uh, even the score. Because I know nobody was really satisfied by how we played that game, and that was definitely not our best game. So I know we want to get that one back. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's kind of interesting because in the NFL, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You guys beat the Rams, but the the Cowboys beat you guys. But it doesn't always work out like that. A beats B beats you know A beats B beats beats C A beats C. It doesn't really necessarily play out like that. Uh, in terms of playoff experience, though. Uh, do you think last year's game against the Vikings has maybe taught you guys anything? Has that come up at all? Is that ancient history? Um, and then obviously Breeze has playoff experience, but the, the team overall is pretty young. So maybe you could talk about last year's experience and, and what that means for you guys going into your first playoff game here. No, we haven't. We haven't talked about that game. I think we did when we played the Vikings this year, we, uh, we brought that back up and, you know, after that, that's, that's done with, you know, we don't want to bring up any more for like negative things about the playoffs. You know, we don't want that kind of energy. Um, so all we, we've been very positive and, um, you know, talking each other up. Um, that's, uh, that was unfortunate when it happened, but now this is a new year, different teams. We're not worried about last year. And, um, you know, that, that going on so we're just trying to focus on us and uh being the best team on sunday very good now before we let you go i know that you're uh you've got some campaigns going on uh there are things that are going to be um kind of re released for the the saints fans and fans of yourself uh you'll be announcing that on social media i'll be helping with that obviously in the next couple of days here one of the centerpieces of that though is a cause that you've really gotten behind and plan to make it a centerpiece of your 2019 and that's uh, mental health and uh, bringing attention to that as an issue that needs more uh, not just sympathy not just more money but just uh, overall uh, a bigger support system 
why is that an issue that's important for you? Well, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a big issue because not a lot of people understand it. And, um, even for myself, I didn't really understand it. Actually, uh, my girlfriend, she's go, she's going into social work. So I hear about this stuff all the time and, you know, I make claims I don't really have any information about, but that's like the stigma in society about mental health, you know, and, um, she's taught me out a lot. She's told me a lot of things. She's, this is what her life's about, you know, and I've learned a lot. And I think it's important that we start making this, um, um, we, we start, um, <clears throat> you know, learning maybe, maybe more giving about it the credit this. that it deserves, right? Yeah. 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 You know, because it's, it's a huge deal and there's a number of players, um, that are having problems with it, you know, and that it's just not, you know, more and more coming out talking about it. And I think it needs to be, uh, more widely recognized than it is, you know, because it is an issue and it's a growing issue. And, um, I think, you know, um, helping out and, um, making the awareness a little bit more is important. So that's what, um, uh, that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Gino, you know, like if, if, if we break an arm or if somebody's got cancer or, you know, like you've been through Gino, you go to a doctor for it. And uh, it's just amazing to me that it's taken this long for people to realize, hey, if, uh, if you're having some, you know, issues in, in the most important organ of your mind, uh, that you wouldn't address it. So uh, kudos to you, Zach. We're up against a commercial break, but Great I time. know that you're going to be releasing a lot of, uh, you know, sending out a lot of tweets and, and social media, Instagramming, et cetera, on some of the specific ways that people can get involved in some of the specific things that you're doing. So we'll look out for that. Maybe you could let the listeners know where they can uh, find you on Instagram and on Twitter. Yes, sir. I'm ZachWood90 on uh, Instagram and ZachWood6 on Twitter. Outstanding, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Well, Good luck this weekend. Yeah, best of luck. We appreciate you having uh, a few minutes to, to join us, and we'll be uh, rooting for the Saints, my man. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate being on here. Thank you so much, Zach. Gino, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll continue on with NFL Playoff Talk. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
going audible here, Mike. Uh, we're going to talk a little NFL later on, and we'll move on through the matchups each week. We'll bring in Monique. We'll talk about her weekly plays and some props. But going to get to talk a little NBA. We focused a lot on football during this part of the season, and then we usually don't get to talk NBA a whole lot until once the, the NFL season starts finishing up. But very good NBA guest to talk right now, Mike. Want to introduce him? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, like G- like Gino mentioned, we don't get much of a chance until after football season to get into much NBA. But our next guest, he covers it all actually, because he's a staff writer for Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report, excuse me, and Bleacher Report magazine. Uh, as many of our listeners know, we've had a lot of guests on from the Athletic. They've got a lot of great writers. Um, the other periodical that I read quite a bit is Bleacher Report. I've been reading a lot of our next guest's work. Because uh, he just does good stuff, and it's kind of across the board from all you know ends of the spectrum. You know whether it's human interest stuff or specific team or player related stuff. And he likes to show you, which I just loved, and I rattled through on Netflix. So some yeah, extra, so, extra brownie points in my book. Yeah. So well, I'm not initiated uh, on that show, but we'll have to ask him about that too. So our first guest is June Lee from the Bleacher Report. June, how are you, my friend? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, before we get started, I want to kind of introduce you to our listeners. For those who are not familiar with you, I heard a great story or read, came across a great story about when you first met Reggie Jackson. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I was, this is probably, let's see, back in September near the end of the baseball season. And I'm hanging out on the field before batting practice, before, uh, during, during batting practice for a game. And uh, hang out with some of my writer friends and who cover the Yankees. And Reggie Jackson comes up to them because he talks to some of the beat writers on a semi-regular basis. Just to, uh, you know, talk, talk baseball, talk shop. And uh, I introduced myself to him because Reggie Jackson is one of my favorite players, you know, in, in the course of baseball history. We actually stay in the state, share the same birthday. And so I wanted to introduce myself. And to- I told him, you know, hi, my name is June. And uh, Reggie Jackson turns to me and he goes, hi, I'm October. And I paused <laughs> and was kind of confused for a second. And then I turned to my friends. I was like, did he just say I'm October? Like, Mr. October? And it was probably the craziest exchange I've ever had with someone uh, with, you know, any modicum of fame. And uh, it's a story that I'll be telling for the rest of my life because, you know, Mr. October, the Baseball Hall of Fame legend, you know, introduced himself to me as October. That's really funny, especially because... Uh, Reggie maybe is a little bit stiff, uh, so that's that's pretty witty, pretty funny. That that's an awesome response. Yeah, it was just super off the cuff. It was just not something I would have expected to get out of an interaction with a uh, no baseball hall of famer. Yeah, and uh, b- before we get get into uh, some NBA stuff, uh, I I see that uh, you're also a fellow Red Sox fan. Uh, are you not? Yes. Yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from Boston, the Bro- uh, Brooklyn, Massachusetts, specifically. I grew up a 30-minute walk from Fenway Park, so, you know, was going to games my entire life, saw the Red Sox in the World Series this past uh, October in Los Angeles, uh, you know, I've always been a big Boston fan. Boo. So, 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 so just That's so you know, June, I mean, I was, I, <laughs> I live in New York now, so that's that's a pretty typical response. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. So Gino is a diehard Dodger fan. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. Of course, as fate would have it, they both end up in the World Series, and we know what happens. But, you know, any of our listeners or Gino, you know, during baseball season, all they hear about from me is Red Sox talk. I absolutely love the Red Sox since uh, I was a little kid, even though I'm a Californian. So I don't know what my excuse is. You know, from the days of Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens and Mike Greenwell and Ellis Burks, you know, I've always just have been a diehard Red Sox fan. We could talk about that all day, obviously, but let's talk a little bit of uh, NBA, uh, a yeah, whole variety tra- of topics to talk about. Gino, why don't you uh, jump in with uh, your thoughts? I was going to say a good transition because when we we're talking uh, Dodgers, now I can go right into the Lakers. And, you know, it's obviously a different year this year, June, with the Lakers when LeBron comes to town. And we've seen LeBron hurt over the last few weeks, over the last like week or so. And I, the young guys, I'm real, just kind of curious on, on your opinion because this group of young players is really polarizing. I think the consensus now is that Kuzma is really kind of improved into that second option and and pretty much the really consistent guy. You know what you're going to get from night in and night out. And it's Lonzo and Ingram who have been a little bit inconsistent as of late. Now, we're coming off two games where they actually did play pretty well and they beat up Detroit last night after Kuzma just went crazy. But what's your kind of overall uh, view on this Lakers, where they are right now, and, and how you feel of, of these young guys meshing with LeBron? 
with and without LeBron. Well, I think it's kind of, I think at this point it's kind of undeniable at this point in the season that Kuzma is probably their second best scoring option. I, I had an opportunity to profile Kyle uh, during the preseason last year before kind of he blew up and really Kyle is just an extremely, extremely hard worker. And he's this dude who's been supremely confident dating back to his days in Flint, Michigan. Uh, and he, he took that extra time playing at Utah to get better. He, he wasn't a one and done guy. He was a guy who needs to work on his abilities, work on his skills in order to get to a place where he could succeed at the next level in the NBA. Something that's been interesting for me to see over the last couple of games with the Lakers is since LeBron has gone out, Brandon Ingram has become uh, a much more kind of assertive player on the offensive end. He's averaging around 20 points a game right now uh, and has looked like a different player. And so I'm very curious to see when LeBron comes back, if Ingram is able to kind of carry that over. And, and, you know, with Lonzo, the story at this point is a shooting. It's going to separate whether or not he is an all-star point guard or if he's Ricky Rubio 2.0. Uh, and at this point, you know, I think you can safely say that Kuzma probably has the highest floor of those three guys. Um, and I, I just think that at this point, Kuzma is going to be your safest bet. I would probably say Ingram is the guy with the highest ceiling just because of his length and his just natural athleticism. But whether or not that translates to production uh, is still a question. Whether or not how he's playing right now without LeBron is going to translate to how he plays when LeBron comes back is still up for debate. So, so far, about halfway through the season, overall, what maybe team or player, what has been kind of the, the biggest surprise for you? Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say Giannis is a surprise at this point, but to see kind of the jump that he's made, even yeah. without having anything resembling a jump shot, is incredible. I mean, the, the dude has become an incredible playmaker with, with the ball, whether that's, you know, around the basket or creating buckets for his teammates. And just, just creating plays, uh, you know, in crucial situations. Last night against the Rockets, he had to tip in to seal the game. And there's only a handful of guys in the NBA who could do that, who have the length, who have the athleticism to reach over anybody and tip a ball in like the way he did last night. And so, you know, Giannis is, I always thought was going to develop into an MVP type guy, but to see it happen this quickly, this soon, and without a jump shot, it's been pretty remarkable. And, and he's calling out the Rock. So, you know, that's, that's good, right. too. We, we always like to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, think you can, I think you can safely say that Giannis is maybe one of the three, four best players in the NBA at this point. And, you know, the thing that's scary about him is that we don't know where the feeling is. You know, if he has a jump shot, he could become even better than he was, uh, than he is right now. And, uh, you know, even if he stays as is right now, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. And so that's kind of the tantalizing thing about him is that, you know, you have the skill set that is so so intriguing and he's already this amazing player and he's not even close i think to a finished product june i know you're on a tight schedule here uh before we let you go i got two really quick questions for you the first one is um and i look i grew up with uh the korean culture being uh kind of like an adopted i'm an adopted cousin if you will one of my best friends growing up is a korean mike Choi, p Choi, his brother uh love those guys if they're listening um, and you wrote a really nice piece. You're of a, a Korean descent yourself, and you wrote a really nice piece about the, this kid at Notre Dame who could potentially be the third amongst the line of Korean kickers to get to the NFL. What, what's kind of your, your – and I encourage everybody to, to find that article in Bleacher Report, but what's, what's kind of the takeaway uh, from your time with him? Uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting was, was talking to his dad. His dad is a pretty much a first-generation Korean-American uh, who grew up in the United States in the 70s when there weren't a lot of Korean-Americans. So he understood the system from the beginning. He understood what American people valued. And he understood that uh, in order to get into elite college, you don't have to get straight A's like a lot of Asian-American parents believe when they get to this country. He realized that Americans really place a lot of value on athletics. And that's why he trained Justin from the beginning to be good at sports because he knew that you know, he wanted to have a, have a well-rounded kid who played sports, was good at school, uh, but he knew that if, if his kid uh, was athletic enough and performed at a high enough level, he would be able to get into uh, the college of, uh, of you know, a, a very good academic institution without having to get a 4.0 GPA or a 2,400 on the SAT. And so hearing from him and talking to Justin about how he was able to look at his place as, uh, an, as an immigrant in this country and understand how the system worked uh, was really, really fascinating. And for me, it felt like, listening to uh, the evolution of tiger parenting in, in, in one way. You know, 
I kind of felt like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that Justin's dad was taking from traditional Korean American parenting that, uh, and just Asian American parenting that's kind of stereotyped in the United States, but he was also taking kind of these American education philosophies and combining them to make something better. And, you know, Justin's in a position now where he might make the NFL, and I think it is the direct result of kind of that evolution of parenting styles that Justin's dad was able to develop. And a big part of that probably has to do with his athletic background, uh, being a figure skater as well, sure. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Justin, was uh, his number one passion is playing hockey, uh, even though he is uh, a you know in a position to become a place kicker in the NFL. He wears number 19 because his favorite uh, hockey player is Steve Eisenman, the Detroit Red Wings Hall of Famer. Uh, and so that is his number one passion. But he realized you know, in high school that he wasn't even good enough to even play college hockey. And so that's when he really took on the mantle of, of, of pursuing the kicking thing uh, as hard as he could. June, we'd love to keep you longer, and I know that Gino would love to talk uh, NBA shop with you all day. Can we bring you back in maybe a week or two and, and talk a little bit, just strictly NBA with you? Yeah, sounds good, man. Awesome, awesome June. Thanks really not, appreciate June. it. Yeah, uh, you, you can follow June Lee. It's it's at June Lee. That's not spelled like the month of the year. It's a J O O N L E E. Definitely recommend that uh, you guys listening out there follow his work. He does really good stuff with the Bleacher Report. Uh, good. That was good stuff, Gino. I really yeah. uh, enjoyed having him on and look forward to talking more NBA with him. Well, as, you can uh, talk everything with June. That's what's great. Yeah. If you go through just like his, his tweets and timeline, you know, you see stuff about every, all sports, about everything. Baseball, basketball, football. There's hockey stuff on there. And as I mentioned, I'll have to pick his brain one of these times about that show you that uh, on Netflix that I'm a, I'm a big fan of now. So uh, good stuff from June. And then uh, to close things out in our final segment, we will have, like always, the Parlay Queen with some of the her weekly plays. I think this week she has uh, a couple plays and uh, a prop. And we know now as, as the season, as the game each week, uh, the amount of games shrinks, the amount of bets on each of the games starts to open up. And that's what we really start to see now in these bigger games. There's more props even. There's more opportunities, individual player stuff. As we know, that's a huge thing come Super Bowl weekend. But Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, I, I, on that note, uh, I would hope that maybe we could get some um, maybe feedback from the listeners. Last year, we had a sportsbook manager from the Treasure Island Casino in Las Vegas, Tony Neville, join us. If any listeners out there were interested in that type of uh, conversation prior to the Super Bowl, let us know if there's anybody else or any topic that you'd want us to discuss. Please tweet us, email us. A lot of ways to get a hold of us. Just let us know. And we want to give you guys what you guys want to listen to. And um, you're exactly right, Gino. The the dollar amounts go up as uh, we kind of go along with the process here. And um, as the games get more meaningful and bigger, obviously the culmination would be the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if there's anything like it until we get to March Madness. And then it's kind of spread out again, like you were talking about, with the crescendo being you know, the final, I don't know how much dollars that gets. And then the next thing would be the Kentucky Derby. So I kind of lay that out because I have a lot to look forward to because you have baseball then coming up right in between all that stuff. So it's going to be a fun few months here. Even after football, there's plenty of topics for us to talk about. One of those transitions between baseball and football is one of the hot topics of the day, and that's Kyler Murray. I love this guy as a baseball player. I love this guy as a football player. He's on track to make history. He wants possibly, to be Possibly become the first player ever. And I didn't even realize this to be a first round draft pick in both baseball and football. I thought it had been done before, but I went back and looked and found that you have some people who are first rounders in football, say Bo Jackson, who was drafted by Tampa in the first round, but baseball backed off because they thought he was going to pursue football. Yeah. So he wasn't drafted until the latter rounds. This would be the first time where each sport doesn't get spooked from the other. It, what a stud. What a stud. And now, this if you were him, this what is something that's, that's, I mean, I would absolutely go baseball. 100% go baseball. Um, I mean, like, I just, the injuries and just the shelf life of being a football, like an NFL quarterback, I just feel like compared to, to being like a legitimate good legitimately good baseball player and how much money you can make there and like how many different contracts you can have um you just don't see the tom brady's and drew breezes and guys that last that long you know because when they and when they do we marvel over them 
<laughs> because they just we just don't see it happen very often. So Especially I just too with the co- coaching carousel that's in place right now. Yeah. I mean it's it's really getting crazy. Half the league has been turned over in terms of coaches since the start of last season, not this current one, but the one prior to that. Half the coaches have turned over. And what that means for players is new schemes. New schemes. Every year. Each coach wants to bring in his own guys, even to the extent that Cliff Kingsbury, who just got the Cardinals job. There are viable rumors out there that he could take Kyler Murray in the first round and trade Rosen. That shows you that each coach, when he comes in there, he's like, hey, my job is on the line based on wins and losses, and I'm going to win or lose with my guys. So that means even a shorter shelf life. And a classic example is Tim Tebow, right? If he, didn't pan, if he pans out, the whole coaching staff, staff of Josh McDaniels, maybe he's still there, right? He doesn't pan out. He goes, the coach goes, you bring in a new quarterback, new coach. That's just the way it works. So the other component of it is this, though. Right now, Kyler Murray is a great football player, at least at the collegiate level. So he's going to go in right away as being a quarterback and a good quarterback. Right now, he's not a good major league baseball That's player. That's very true. He's going to have to learn a year or two game. of minors. Yeah. So I wonder how much that plays into it as well. Dollar amounts over time, clearly baseball is the winner. And there's another Bleacher Report piece about Calvin Johnson and uh, Jeff Samarja because they were number one, two ranked wide receivers during the same draft year. One goes baseball, the other goes football. Calvin Johnson has great remorse. He's like, man, I wish I was the baseball player that Jeff Samarja was or took that route because it showed a dollar amount comparison. It's not even close. Jeff Samarja is an average pitcher in the big leagues has made way more than the, one of the top receivers in the NFL. I yeah. mean, think about that. You can be a middle-of-the-road player and make more than the best player in a position in the league. Yeah, it's just not even close. It's just the way the salary caps are and the guaranteed money and all that kind of stuff. Um, as we get ready for our break, Mike, a little bit of, a, of housekeeping. Going to give a shout-out to the top two finishers of our Capital One Bull Mania contest that just finished up earlier this week. Um, you and I struggled in, in this poll. Uh, we were we were towards the the bottom, but congratulations. Not one of our best showings. No, not not one of the best showings for the other uh, co-hosts of the Mike Avenue show. But uh, Big F and Shooter and Peace Frog were the one and two. And big congratulations to those two. Uh, the first place finisher was the one, unfortunately they tied, but Peace Frog didn't fill out the tiebreaker, so we'll finish second. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna let them both co-host a segment. And uh, the first place finisher will get the first award. Peace Frog will get the second award. And um, we're going to discuss the details with them moving forward. But I think uh, discussing with one of them, they had said that whatever the prize was, they wanted to donate, which was, I thought, a very cool gesture. So we'll uh, we'll announce more of those specifics. But can we make congratulations to the top two finishers of that pool? Just to give you an idea, Mike, I did another small one of these pools, like with a group of my buddies that does a lot of like, different like fantasy stuff. And our top two finishers were like five points ahead. Wow! Of like the other group that I was in, and what that group was at the top. So we had they, that was a really good showing for them uh, with the score that they finished with. And a big uh, remember to everyone: if you are in the pro football pick and pool on Yahoo Sports, make sure to get your picks in for this weekend, and make sure to put the um, the score, how much your confidence picks are. I actually had a, a pretty decent week last week, just going two and two. I'm uh, I'm tied with Joey Q, Joey Quills, the Philly champ. We have 24 points. We're tied in the uh, in kind of like that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth spot at two. Uh, I was two and two. Joe was three and one. Uh, but I had uh, one of the big ones for me was the Colts last week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like Gino said, make sure that you uh, you know plug that in. Even if you didn't do well, like for myself, I did horribly. But you just never know how things are going to turn out. Maybe somebody has an 0-4 week. You have a 4-0 week. Or maybe it's just that you get your big point ones. Yeah. You never know how these things turn out. And the last seven year, games there, left. Yeah. Last year, there was a lot of movement uh, from top to bottom. So stick with it. Let's take a commercial break, and we'll start talking a little bit more specifics about these games coming up and uh, make some predictions. So stay with us. We will be back in a quick moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. 
it's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and rental cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. And then there were eight. We have Four games this weekend, and in my opinion, Mike, this is the best NFL weekend where you have, um, I think, you're, you're seeing everybody is what I'm, I'm looking at it like. You got some of the best, uh, you have the teams with the buys coming off of last week, so you have the best teams in football, and you have the hottest teams in football, and in this year, that's really, this really what it looks like. It really looks like you have the teams that were the best early on and that earned their buys, and you have four teams that are going on the road that are all playing really good football right now. Yeah, and when you look at the list, you know, there it mainly favors the offensive surge that we've seen in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting which defenses can come up and make a play. Can Kansas City's D make an important play? Maybe it's an interception or creating a turnover or two. Uh, you know, same thing with Dallas and, and, and the Rams. You know, can, will Dallas's defense prevail or Rams's high-powered offense? But the interesting thing to me is that most of these high-powered offenses, all of them, really, when you're talking about Kansas City, the Rams, and the Saints in particular, have kind of stalled a little bit. Yep. So, you know, will these teams that all had buys be able to kind of get back on track? Uh, doesn't look like weather is going to be a consideration. Uh, obviously, it won't be in LA and it won't well, be in Nor- New Orleans. It actually, but it will rain. be. Uh, ironically enough, is it's not it really be that cold? But it's supposed to rain in the next couple of days. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So well, it, and that would be, the, it'd be hilarious if, if yeah. uh, you know, you think it's not going to be a big deal in LA. And then we almost assume it always. Like I, I never think that there's going to be a weather issue here in LA. We take that for granted. Obviously, that it sprinkles every once in a while. Yeah. But um, but it's going to be a big issue in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how Andrew Luck handles that. Him and the Colts haven't traditionally done well when it gets uh, really cold. But you kind of have to wonder, you know, who, who does that favor? Does that favor maybe the team with a better defense than the high-powered offense? You know, um, I'll tell the, you what I think in just a minute, Mike. A little okay. tease after we bring in Monique. Because Monique has a couple plays with us, and she's on the line right now. She's going to talk about a couple of these games. So uh, it's up, all, all related. The parlay queen, Monique. It's a fun time, but it's getting a little sad when we only have like seven football games left this year. I know. We go from like 40 bowl games a day to a couple <laughs> NFL games to nothing. So it's definitely a depressing time of year. <laughs> so you have, uh, I think, three plays this weekend. And the first one is going to be in that very first game where it's Colts at the Chiefs. So what's your play there? 
My play for that one is the Chiefs first half winner, and that would just be essentially like a money line. It would be a three-way, so a tie is an option. And you get actually surprisingly a pretty good price on that. So as we all know, the Chiefs have been the highest scoring first half team in the league. They're averaging 18.6 points with that number even higher at home, just over 20. So they're obviously well-rested with the bye, and they have that high-octane offense that few have been able to slow down. So I think with the Chiefs, I think an early lead is crucial, and I feel like they're going to be able to take care of business at home. And, I mean, I don't see any reason why it's going to be close, to be completely honest. I think, obviously, the Chiefs are going to put up a ton of points. And, yeah, I think maybe I'm underestimating the Colts a little bit, but, I mean, I, I love this offense. It's hard not to. Second spot is that Cowboys-Rams game we're just talking about. What's interesting is that it's might be raining out here in Southern California. It's not going to be necessarily cold and snowy, but uh, it's been kind of gloomy this week, Monique. So it, it actually wouldn't necessarily be bad for the play that you have in line. Yeah, I'm liking the under 51, and I feel rain or shine or whatever, I feel like it's going to be one of those really run-heavy games. And obviously, we know the Cowboys will just lean on Zeke for as long as he possibly can, and there's no reason to believe that he won't have the success that he's already had all season. Uh, Like I said, I think the Rams will also lean heavily on the running game with Todd Gurley back, who's had ample time to heal up and get healthy. I think on the defensive end, the Rams should be able to limit big plays and help keep Prescott in check. And the Cowboys' defense have been great all year. I think they'll be able to keep them in the game early on with some big stops. So I like the under, especially when I think it's going to be a run-heavy game because that tends to milk a lot of the clock off. And in your final play, it... Looks like one of the weaknesses really all season that we've seen from the Eagles is one that the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky and their offense really couldn't exploit that much is that there's some weaknesses in the secondary. You think that Drew Brees, Drew Brees is going to be able to exploit that with this prop that you're going to play? I do. I like Drew Brees' longest completion over 37 and a half. Uh, The Eagles have not fared well versus the pass all season. They're surrendering 269.2 yards per game, ranking them 30th. Now, they've given up 60 passing plays of 20 or more yards, and not that many, surprisingly, for long, with only 6 of 40 or more. But the Saints have Alvin Kamara, who ranks 4th in the league in yards after the catch. Uh, He's always a threat to break some tackles, and the Saints are more than capable of some big plays, especially at home in the Superdome. So I definitely like Breeze. In that one, the Parlay Queen at covers at ABR Live. You can find her work there, and she's with us each and every week. So, still a couple more big weeks to come. And I know you love the prop extravaganza that is the uh, the Super Bowl. So, we look forward to talking to you again the next couple weeks. Thanks, like always, Monique. Thanks, Monique. Thanks, guys. Awesome, the Parlay Queen, Monique. So we have about I mean less than ten minutes or so, Mikey, for us to rattle through these games yeah. and, and hey, give before- our. Yeah, before we get into the games, uh, quick news flash coming through here. Looks like the Cincinnati Bengals may be pulling the trigger on one of the Rams assistant coaches, the quarterback coach, Zach Taylor, 35 years old. Wow. It's kind of part of this like random, crazy youth movement anyone that, that we're seeing. Anyone that knows McVay, that's the movement that they're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah that's oh, been wow. the joke. Like anybody know yeah. McVay's barbers, cousins, whatever. They said, uh, they said the applications for the Rams interns went through the roof today. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I do want to say something though, because if you look at really quickly here, if you look at the coaches that have been hired, you know, and you have old and young and everything in between. Obviously, on the high end of the spectrum, Bruce Arians with the Tampa, sixty-six years Big old. Fangio. Big Fangio, sixty years old. A majority of the other guys are younger. You know, Freddie Kitchens or Cleveland, Matt for Green Bay, Gase with the Jets, and Kingsbury with Arizona. Uh, how 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 is it that they haven't found one? viable black head coaching nice. candidates. That's just crazy. I just don't understand it. And for me, I'm I'm a big I'm not a believer in affirmative action. I'm a believer the in the best rule. man gets the job. But when you talk about the best best man get, getting the job, how can you convince me on Freddie Kitchens? How can you even convince me on him over Greg Williams? For our listeners out there, Freddie Kitchens got the head coaching job of the Cleveland Browns. He has never held a coordinator position at the collegiate or NFL level until he was named the interim offensive coordinator in October. So he's got two months of coordinator experience and he got the head coaching job for 
the Cleveland Browns. That's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and we have we'll, we'll next week and, and maybe in the week in between the Super Bowl um, and between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, be able to go through all the movement because, as you mentioned early in the show, it has been crazy um, how much turnover there's been already in the NFL. But we're coming up against it, Mike. So we're gonna have to rattle through these games. First game up, Colts at the Chiefs. It's plus five, five and a half right now. The Chiefs are a five, five and a half point favorite. Over under fifty seven. I'm riding this game. I like the Colts. They are hot. I think their defense is good enough to make a stop or two. I don't like the Chiefs' D. I think the Colts cover this game. I think they win this game, and I would play this game even with the weather over the total. So uh, this is going to be a game that's going to be crucial for me moving forward. I think the Colts pull a big upset here. What about you? Do you want to just run down yours, and I'll quickly run down mine? So uh, uh, game two, I think the Cowboys cover if you're getting uh, over seven, plus seven, seven and a half, but I think the Rams win that game outright. Uh, straight up um, in the third game, the Chargers, I think they will cover and win the game. I'm going Chargers plus four and the money line, another dog. And then in the fourth game, I'm taking another dog on the spread, the Eagles plus the eight. But I think the Saints win that game. I could see some sort of a backdoor cover for the Eagles. I think that's just a lot of points. So all four underdogs against the spreads I'm taking, but I'm taking the char- um, the Eagles to the, I'm taking the Saints and the Rams to win their game straight up. Wow. Okay. We are very, very different. And that's uh, what makes uh, for, for, for good entertainment here. Uh, but I'm not doing this to be different. This is how I have it set in stone. All of these that I'm going to give you are straight up winners and against the spread winners. Kansas City is going to shellac Indianapolis by 17 or more. New England wins in a nail biter against the Chargers. The Cowboys cover and win straight up against the Rams and the Saints absolutely destroy Philadelphia. It's going to be the same thing that we saw back in whatever it was, week uh, nine, uh, when when they, they just absolutely crushed Philadelphia. So Saints, Dallas, New England, Kansas City all win straight up and cover their spreads. Okay, so uh, I'm with. I, I think the Saints win. The thing is, is I don't. I don't even really think the Saints game or the or the Rams Cowboys game are necessarily going to be as close. I think the Rams and the Saints are both going to win those games. I just when you see those numbers of seven and a half or eight is what we've seen is that teams get up to a big lead, they kind of tighten up late, and then you get some kind of a garbage score. So I think those I'll take the big numbers where I think all these teams that are playing well are going on the road. And to me, the one key game is just the Colts. I just didn't like what I saw from the Chiefs the last few weeks of the season. This Colts team is playing hot right now. I think they're just playing with house money. I like their coaching staff. Their defense just continues to improve. So um, really fun week coming up. And remember, don't forget to get your selections in at the Yahoo Fantasy Pro Pick'em. It is the NFL Pro Pick'em. So get your four games in and give the confidence picks for each of these week's games. Yeah, and uh, we only have a few seconds left, but my my rationale is, you know, Kansas City, I think, just outclasses Indianapolis. They've had a fine season and a great run, but I think this is where you're going to see the high-powered Kansas City offense get back on track. Andy Reid, after a bye, has been fantastic up until this point, and people don't give him credit. He's gotten to a Super Bowl, so he's not, like, sure. absolutely a dud in the playoffs. New England is just New England until you dethrone them uh, in Foxborough. I can't go against them. The Saints, I think they just outclass Philadelphia. Their run is up. When it comes to Dallas and, and the Rams, here's the thing. I've not been impressed with their quarterback play for the Rams for some time now, especially in December. And I don't know if Gurley is Gurley or not. So uh, Dallas, I think they pulled the upset uh, in Los Angeles. So that's all the time we have for this week, guys. Appreciate your listenership. Get your plays in on the Pick'em Contest. And we will see you same time, same place next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.